what's happening in the canine industry. For all the latest news, views and expert opinions, stay right here for the canine paradigm. You'll hear from industry leaders, experts, doyens of the industry, learned colleagues, movers and shakers, and the odd Randy guest. Get the latest insights and expert advice from both here and abroad from the people in the know. Now, here are your hosts, Glenn Cook and Pat Stewart. And I'm Lofty Fulton, and I'm out of here. Hey, Glenn. Hey, Pat. New year. New year. New ads. (laughs) (laughs) It's time for new ads. It is time for new ads. We've had a wonderful year of sponsorship by our four wonderful people that carried us throughout the year. Truly, the sponsorship that comes from these guys, Jason Furman, Einzer Wiener Dog Quip. <laughs> Jason was the first person to reach out, like episode one, hey, I want to sponsor the show. We're yep. like, fuck off, mate. Then <laughs> <laughs> several months later, we're like, uh, we could do some of that money now, yep. Jason. So we apologize. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, sir. Yeah, thank mm. you so much. Mm. But truly, where I get all my dog-related items mm-hmm. is Einswick Dog Quip. And amazing hoodies. Yeah. No, I do have a really good hoodie from Jason. Yeah, I've got a great hoodie from Jason yeah. as well. But I continue to get all my stuff. When I need dog training gear, Jason's my first point of call. Yep. I just bought a meal off him again. for Another meal? Yeah, for my sister. Yep. I'm going to do some little meal content. He is incredibly generous and very supportive to the industry. He is. And doing amazing work on his weight loss as well. So go, Jason. His problem, though, is doesn't ship to the US. Oh, what an absolute turd burglar. Step in. Mac Point. Mac Point. Oh, are you talking Mark with a C? Carc Point. <laughs> Canine Dynamics. Yes. He's in Canada. Yeah. He's well, he does service the whole world, but just stay out of Jason territory, fucking Mark Point. North America. Who do you reckon would win between them? Mark's a cop. He has a gun. Yep. Jason has guns. Yep. I don't know. It'd be an interesting battle. If we can organize it. Let's do an MMA match between Kakla Point and <laughs> Furman. <laughs> Not really. Love them both. So if you're in North America and you want some dog gear, yep. Canon Dynamics, that's a place to get it. Yes, absolutely. Great range, really good website, very intuitive. It makes life so easy to order product. Yep. You know who else has been supporting the show for a long, long time? That would have to be the lady herself from Ashland, Virginia. Melanie the the train town. Yes, Melanie Benware. Yep. She does these little home school things. Yeah. And I think the reason that our listeners should be getting in contact with her is because they know someone mm. in Ashland, Virginia, that needs their dog homeschooled, or they want to learn about that kind of program themselves. And they, as a trainer, could book a session to get some time with Melanie Benware. And she's been busier than ever, which is great. Yeah. Hopefully, she's got some transactions from the canine paradigm. Yes, hopefully. Mm. You know where you could get. A killer Dutch Shepherd or German Shepherd? That would have to be the wonderful people, Patrick and Alicia Lockett from House Amberg. One and the same. Yep. That's them. If I were in Europe, and Europe's the place to get the dogs. Yep. If I were in Germany, that's where I'd go. But Mm. the good news is you don't have to be in Germany. They can ship all over the world. All over the world. Mm. You want yourself a sweet-ass Dutchie? Yep. Talk to them. Or a German Shepherd. I don't know why you'd want a German Shepherd, but if you do. Ouch. Ouch. Ow. The best ones around will come from them. That's a sponsor killer in itself. <laughs> <laughs> no, really, those guys have supported the show for a long time. Jason from the start, Mark, Mel, and Patrick and Alicia at House Amberg, yep. Shepherds. We really appreciate you guys supporting the show. And good quality people as well, good yep. quality products. Moving forward on that, we only take those sponsorships from those guys because 
we know them, we trust them, we believe in them. Yep. Going forward into 2022, we know that some of you fucking fast forward these ads. Oof. Not everybody listens to the ads. Absolute disgusting. So we're thinking, we're not, nothing's set in stone, but we're thinking about changing the structure of the ads at the front to yep. give our sponsors better value and maybe just reading one each time and mm-hmm. then bringing more people into the rotation if that's something people are interested in doing. Yes. So stand by for information on that. So if you do want to be a 2022 sponsor and you're happy to continue with us, let us know. We'll be canvassing that shortly. But for those of you who have been supporting us, just like our wonderful listeners, we just want to thank you very, very much. Really appreciate everything you've contributed. All right. We love you. We do. Bye. Goodbye. Welcome back to the Canine Paradigm. I'm your host, Pat Stewart. I'm joined in studio today by my co-host, Glenn Cook. Last one for the year. Yep. And we got it in with all the madness that's going on around us, Omicron all over the place. Yep. And yet we're both healthy and we're here. Yep. And now we have to pretend to do an intro and ask each other how we're going, even though we've just been fucking- A full hour. (laughs) (laughs) Just laying each other's woes upon each other for Uh, the last hour, talking about how fucked everything is. We've solved all the world's problems, (laughs) destroyed everyone, all our nemesis is in one go. Yep. (laughs) Oh dear. What a session. Before we kick off the show, I just want to let everybody know how proud I am of my wife. Just to give them a little intro on what's happened. Obviously, everyone is aware of what happened to Ladybug almost two years ago. Mm -hmm. So, you know, for those who don't, she blew out her spine, um, nearly nearly cost her her life, uh, extensive. We've had to do extensive work with her. Cost us about over 20 grand in in bills and stuff like that. Yeah, it really drained our bank account for a period of time. But I guess when you do love a dog and Mm -hmm. they mean something to you, you'll do what you can. And we did, you know, there were plenty of people who, even family who were just saying, you're crazy, it's a dog. And there's plenty of people out there who are listening to the show who understand that's not how it is to some people. Here she is today. She's done exceptionally well. I remember showing you her when she got home and she couldn't walk. She was dragging herself around on Mm -hmm. the carpet. And I said to you, I vow that we're going to get her to walk again. Mm -hmm. There were a lot of really positive people. Neil Barnsley, absolutely fantastic with dog chiropractic and acupuncture and everything. He was really supportive. Our vet, Jane Ricards from Hills District Veterinary Clinic down the road here, she was another one, very, very supportive and said, stay with it, stay the course, we'll get her walking again. I acknowledge that she can't walk great, but she can walk. Yeah, she's... And she can run. She's got this drunken little run that she does. And the funny thing is that she is getting incrementally better as time goes on. And she's totally independent, right? Totally like, independent. Can, there was a period there where you guys had to carry her everywhere and express her bladder and everything. All of that. So we yeah. had to carry her. She couldn't walk at all, had no feeling in her back legs at all. But she's doing something that she hadn't done ever. She's doing like a stretch now in the mornings, like she's stretching and stretching out. Mm-hmm. Melanie Benware, she was really, really actively supporting and pushing me to stay the path so there was a lot of people who were really behind it. But one thing I, I just wanted to kick off, which is where I'm going, is Narelle extensively researched her problem and she was looking for product and anything that she could do to help the situation. And what she did find was that the market for supplements for dogs was very hit and miss. Mm-hmm. There was some good stuff and some very not good stuff. Mm-hmm. Because of that, she was very much of the belief, see a need, fill a need. Mm -hmm. So for the last 18 months, she's been working 
tirelessly and, and rigorously to investigate what is a good product and what would be beneficial for dog people in the same situations that we were in. So she's actually created her own line. And because she's a research scientist and she's, I mean, man, believe me when I'm telling her, she's been spending almost between eight and 10 hours a day on the days that she's not working with clients researching this stuff. She's using a lot of human grade material as well. So it's not just down the line stuff that they've, you know, Mm -hmm. they've sort of kicked to the curb, low source material with high profits. Mm -hmm. That's not what it's about. It's about high source you know, it's it's been a very expensive ordeal so far. Yeah, I bet. But a lot of time, and finally, she has got a product lined together. The company's name is Canine Surticals. She's launching on Australia Day, which is Jan twenty sixth this mm-hmm. year, twenty twenty two. I should say, not this year, twenty twenty two. There's going to be a website which will be caninesurticals.com.au. It's not up yet. She's just getting it all together now. But really proud of her. She's been working with some great people, some very, very supportive people that have got behind the product, got behind Narell, and it's going to be amazing. She's got a dozen products ready to go, but she's got a lot more on on the cards once we sort of see how people are responding to it and yeah, how it goes awesome. in the market. Super proud of her. She's done really well. Yeah. Like the same way you are with Jane with her tattoos and her, you know, like her dog tune designs that she does for people. Yeah. Between us, we've got some amazing talent in our wives. Yeah, totally. Mm. And I think you're right, like getting a something from concept idea to mm. reality, I think that's where, you know, a lot of people don't realize how hard that is. Like the idea is the easy part. In a lot of, in all these kind of entrepreneurial spaces, the idea is the easiest part of all the of Easiest it. part. Like it's the ideas f- are free. The fucking action. And mm. people, you know, like I've got this great idea and it's like, yeah, that's awesome. Start taking some steps because that's where the barriers come in, right? Like sourcing this, like in her case, sourcing the stuff, making sure that it's the quality that you want because it's not like she can produce it herself, right? Like you then you got to go to manufacturing of these things and like it's a huge amount of work. It's not as simple as going, I'm going to put this in a container and call it the dog thing, right? It's like the research, the development, the production, the labeling, the marketing, all that kind of shit. It's a huge thing. It's a huge undertaking for an individual to take on. Good for you. Absolutely incredible amount of time. Like I think it would probably take us about three years just to get back in time that she's actually spent on it. (laughs) It's amazing how, that's why I'm saying, that's why I'm so proud of her is because you're right, it has been extensively difficult with a lot of roadblocks and a lot of reasons why this would never have got to this stage unless she had fortitude and, and strength and support. And like I said, there have been some amazing people that have supported Narelle and really believed in her and, and kept her spirits high and kept her enthusiastic about this project. So I'm really excited about it. If it was just something that was a bit of a fly by night, we'd never be having this conversation and yeah. I wouldn't be proudly promoting it on air. But I know that what she is putting together is going to be a game changer for people in the dog nutrition side. Yeah. So Canine Ceuticals, I'm really proud to be promoting it and I'm really looking forward to people giving feedback on it as well. Yeah. It's exciting. Mm. Yeah, it is. It's really exciting. Good work. We'll have to give you some products so you can try them out on your dog. Yeah. My dog's a good candidate. He's old limpy (laughs) McFucking. Well, Ladybug's been on it. Opie's been on it. Literally all our dogs have been part of the experimental process. Yeah. 
and they've been doing they've been showing really good responses. Like she's doing been doing hair tissue and mineral analysis on the dogs. She's been getting blood tests on them. Yeah, you right. know, like a range of things to not an experiment them in a bad way because she stands behind this, has done the research, is a scientist. Narelle's qualified. She's a agricultural scientist with honours and she's also done her bachelor in natural medicine as well. So she's right up there. Apart from being a PhD, she's right up there with the best of them. Yeah. Um, so there's some evidence behind the product. It's not just like, it's, I think it's this all evidence-based yeah. and that's why she's put this together and she's even got, you know, like she's putting barcodes on everything and she's putting the science behind everything. Mm-hmm. So that's why one, one of the areas, um, and I don't want to monopolize this whole show, trying to make this sound like an ad for Norel. Cause no, it, it's a big deal. It's it a big is deal a big deal. Guys. It is a big deal. I'm proud and excited about it, but what she has done, and again, that's why a lot of the time has been dedicated to it is she has been matching the science with the product. Mm-hmm. Like Narelle gets very anxious about putting out a product that she doesn't know what's in it and what it does and how it reflects into overall health. So she's going to put one of those QR codes in it. I know we're getting sick of QR codes for the, for the wrong <laughs> reasons, but it's going to be a positive QR code that when you do scan over, it'll take you to the website and it'll tell you about that product and what it does and how it's going to benefit your dog. Mm-hmm. She's impressed me to no end. She's a very learned person in her field and she does spend a lot of time and a lot of dedication into getting something that she really wants to stand behind and is going to do a greater good for the canine community. Enough said. I'm proud of her. I want to see it work out and love your support on it and love your feedback on it as well once mm. once we get it out into the Yeah, cool. into the canine network. All right. Mm. On with the show. On with the show. Hey, let's wrap up the year and talk yep. about goals and stuff for next year. Mm. I think we kind of do this every year, the episode sort of between Christmas and New Year's. Yeah, we're in that dead the void. Sp- yeah. Everyone calls it the void of it's like where time stands still and yeah. nobody knows what the fuck to do. No one knows what day it is. Yeah. You don't know what the fuck's going on. <laughs> do you try and work? Are you taking time off? Is it public holiday? Who knows? Are you looking at your belly and thinking that was my Christmas coma? Yeah. Mm. I think this is the weird time between like everybody sort of goes, yeah, I overdid it on Christmas and the lead up to Christmas because of all the Christmas parties and mm. end of year things. And then it's like, uh, but I'll start next year. Like I'll start getting my act together next year. Yep. <laughs> and this is that bubble week. Everyone goes, oh, I don't need to do anything. Yeah, nothing is, counts. Yeah. The world just stopped turning at, yeah. during these calories. Don't days. count during this time. Nothing, nothing, nothing does. Yeah. I had a friend yesterday come over. Would Yeah. We're both lunatics, both love a ridiculous obsession. And he's trying to convince me to do that 75 hard. You ever heard of that? Oh, is that where you do five, seven sort of? No, 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 no. So 75 hard, it's this challenge where you've got to work out twice a day for 45 minutes. And one of those workouts has to be outdoors, right? So two 45 minute sessions. That's a pretty difficult barrier to Mm. entry, right? Just time-wise. You got to follow a a meal plan. It doesn't matter what it is, but it's got to be a, a strict meal plan like a, you know, a diet, whichever one you choose with no cheat meals for the 75 days. Oh, right. Okay. You got to drink four liters, like a gallon of water every day. You got to read 10 pages of a book, like a, an educational book. Yep. And what's the last thing? Oh, you got to take a progress photo every day. So yeah. And it goes for 75 days and it's apparently it's really good for you. Like it develops the habits essentially. Mm-hmm. It's health wise, very good. I think any one of those things, except the photo would be beneficial in isolation. And the goal is to hit the 75 days. But if you falter in any way, shape or form, you're back to day one. So there's wow. no, like oh, I've missed a day and you know, I did good except for that one day. You didn't do good. You're back to square one. Mm. 
and I'm thinking about it. I don't like, I just don't have a lot of, I don't know. It's a hard one. It's time more than anything. It all sounds good. When you think about the time commitment, look, to be honest, I see people on Instagram, you know, who love showing their daily workout routines. I just think, how do you make the time? Mm. And in conversations with them, they say, well, if it's important to you, you'll make time for anything. Mm. I guess that's right. We talk about the importance of dog training and creating good habits with your dog and creating a better overall picture with your dog. And if you want that to happen, there's no other way through it than putting in the time. Mm. Like everything you're doing has to be an incremental pathway to getting to that end goal. Yeah. You know, and this is fundamentally what this show is about is improving goals and making things better. You have to make a start and you have to see the journey through to fruition. There's no way. What I'm trying to say is there's no way to just leapfrog to the end Mm. and then get that result without going through the hell you have to do to get there. The confusion, the disappointment, the low All of that has to happen in order to get to the high. And believe me, you know, like there are projects, you and I, we're very different people, but we're very similar in in some ways. Mm -hmm. And one of those ways is when we get a head around something and we develop an obsession around it, even though I I hate obsessions, it annoys me. I still am an obsessive person. Yeah. And it's fundamentally a reason why I've never got involved in gambling. Like I don't, Same. I don't play cards. I don't like I've been invited to beer and poker nights all through my life. I don't do it because I feel that if I got started, it would be a train wreck for yeah, me. Yeah, I'm exactly the same. Mm. But the problem I face is, you know, I do know how to leverage my own obsession. So like, mm. I'm a kind of like a pit bull in that way. Like I know how to control it yep. and I do know how to sort of use it to my advantage and when I get something in my sights and I get determined on it, exactly like, you know, you sort of get those pities that just have that mm. exclusion to everything other than what they've decided to do, right? That gameness as to like, no, this is what I'm doing, whatever it is, and they can't be interfered with. But it's a dangerous thing personality-wise because you have to be careful flicking that switch because when you decide, yeah, okay, I'm going to allow this to happen, mm. it can be to the detriment of other things. And that's what I'm kind of scared about doing this 75 hard because like I know I could easily do all that, but it would be consuming to me, Mm. right? Like it would be – I would become – like the day I decide to do it, if I go, yeah, I'm going to do it with – then there'd be no – there's no chance I'm not doing it. And that could come at the detriment to my family, could come at the detriment to my mental health. It could come at the detriment to you know my work and that kind of stuff. So it's kind of a tricky thing to decide to take on mm. because like I say, I'm not the kind of person that at day eight could then be like, oh, this isn't really working out for me, right? Because like that would be that would be impossible to stop once yep. you decide that I've started. And that's why I, like, I find following really like it's it's why I stupidly commit myself to radical interventionist diets because like for short term because that that's more manageable mm. like I can eat only meat for a month or I can eat only chicken and broccoli for a month and then that consumes me for that but then I'm like it's over and I can go back to being a normal person mm. having an end date whereas like at 75 days is a fucking long time. I can do a lot of damage to my life by committing to something that is damaging other parts of my life if it turns out that that's it in 75 days. One thing that I, I do admire about you and I wish I had more of this as a character trait in myself is that you've got a very high level of discipline, a lot more than a lot of other people that I know. Like You're very centred in that area. I think that's probably why you did so well in your army career. It's funny. It's obsession over like goals, I think. So, yeah. Like I say, it's not always a good trait. It can be for sure. But, but you it, are level-headed and you do have a good discipline on, yeah, on a lot of things. Yeah, to an extent. Yeah, we're all faulted in some ways. Like yeah. no one's perfect. And I've often talked about the illusion of perfection and so forth. And I'm not even suggesting that that's the case. But 
in an area of admiration for you is that I find that when you're disciplined about something, even though you can become obsessed about it, you're also still wise enough about it to know where the damage lays from being overly obsessed about it and Mm. then manage to pull yourself up rather than wait for somebody to say to you, hey, Pat, you're getting into dangerous territory. You sort of see that for yourself. And this is why I say I can be disciplined in some of those areas, like the gambling one for me is just one that I never really got involved with because I am, I and I do know because of my obsessiveness in areas, I think that would be a dangerous road for me to get involved oh, yeah. in. And I've just stayed well and truly away from it. Where there have been other things, like for example, collecting gadgets and stuff like that. There have been times where I've gone into JB Hi-Fi and I'll just buy shit and, I, <laughs> and it'll be in a box yeah. because I think I need that. I need that because it's going to enhance my life. It's going to make my life better. Yeah. And then two years later, it's still fucking in a box. Yeah. And I think to myself, that's where I don't have the discipline to say, Narelle does, like she'll say to me, why do you need that for? And it's good that now I run things by her and say, look, I'm obsessing over this thing and she'll say, all right, well, tell me why you need it and how you're going to use it and how it's going to improve your life. Mm. And because of that, not only have I saved a shitload of money, but I've also got less of these fucking gadgets taking up my door (laughs) where I eventually go and give it away to somebody. Like all I've done is in the past, I've just walked over to somebody and saying, hey, this is brand new. Do you want it? And they're going, yeah. And I'm going, I've never used it. And the likelihood of me using it is unlikely. Yeah. But I needed it. But I needed it at the time. It was going to change my life. Yeah. But I obsessively researched it to the point where of, I was- Of a, course. I was 100% sure I didn't need it, so that's why I bought it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting better in those areas, you know, yep. maturity and I guess, you know, the importance also, which was something that most of our grandparents or parents or good mentors told us is they say you are a reflection of the company you keep. Mm-hmm. And the good thing is, is the company that I, of people that I do choose to keep are people like yourself and Dave and Maria and Narelle and Bertie and some really good level-headed people who do make good life choices. Mm. We're not without fault. Like I said, nobody's perfect, but in general life, we make good choices. I'm lucky enough to have a collection of good close friends of of people that are grounded and are sensible and and do have good life ambition and goals. And therefore that's infectious. And those sort of things do inspire you to be a better human being yourself. And that's a, I think that's a good place to encourage other people to do it is, you know, think about the people that you surround yourself with. Mm. There's lots of people that ask us about dog advice and have done for many years, both on and off the podcast throughout our terms as being involved in this. People have said, How do I get started? Who should I do it with? Well, that's another area for you to think about as well. Like if you're listening to this and thinking, I do want to improve my life. I do want to improve my overall standing with my dog and the relationship with it, or I do want to get into competition and so forth. The advice that we would give you is find the best mentor that you can, Mm. a sensible person and an educated person and somebody who likewise surrounds themselves with a bunch of good people as well. Totally. Mm. Just my brain was going a million miles now thinking of things. When like doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> hey, so you know, what we tend to do in this episode sort of per year mm. is reflect on the, the year that's been yep. and sort of project into the next. And I think we've even done episodes in the past. Fuck, we've been doing this a long time now. 
talking about like, you know, I'm not really a new year's resolution person. I usually have some sort of funny resolution. I think one year I was going to drink less cider and more whiskey, um, <laughs> which I think is a, you know, like a, that's a really achievable goal that I could totally do. Easy. Yeah. I think I did that pretty well. I let myself down a couple of years ago cause I wanted to come up with more funny nicknames for people. Mm-hmm. I think that was one that I really didn't hit that. I didn't follow through and give people hilarious nicknames like I planned to. Yep. But I think this year we had a pretty big year in spite of all the fuckery and all the madness and like second year of global pandemic that limited what we could do and all of the restrictions that we faced. And, you know, especially here in Australia and Sydney, especially we faced months. What did we do? 14 weeks of lockdown or something like that. Yeah. Really, really strict yeah. lockdown. Yeah. Seven months. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So a lot of fuckery through the year, but I think I'm proud of the fact that we continued getting the podcast Absolutely. going. We continued that keeping was a goal that out. That I wanted. As a goal, sorry to interrupt you, but as a goal between you and I, that has been really good for my mental health. Yeah. Like I did start to decline. I could feel the decline throughout the year, but having this sanctuary between you and I where we get to sit down, have conversations, I can't tell you how important this has been to me to keep me level-headed mm. and to give me a purpose. I've got a job and I've got, People, you know, like the people who own this company supported me and so many people. And I can't tell you how much I appreciate their sacrifice to us. So it's not like I didn't have a job and I was sitting home twiddling my thumbs. I had things to do. I was still busy. I was managing staff and so forth. But this just gives me something else to look forward to. And Mm -hmm. it's different from doing the status quo of what I was doing before. It's kind of a jobby, but it's still a hobby jobby. And we've talked about that in our episode where we called it, it's Bart's phrase. What is it? Hobby, jobby, job? Yeah, hobby, jobby, job. Yeah. yeah. And we've talked about that before, but this has helped me keep it together. There yeah. have been times where I could feel a decline in my mental health and I've thought, fuck, I just, I'm sad today. You know, like I've got nothing to look forward to. And I thought, yes, I have. I've got the podcast to look forward to. And then interacting with our community and, yeah. you know, the people that have been outside and the lovely support that they give us and so forth. And it's not like we're just fishing for compliments all the time. You know, we've had people that have given us some stern talking points as well, saying that they've disagreed with things that we've done. But that has been received, you know, message received. And we're trying not to be just shills that we're just taking on bullshit. Let me take a step back to other things you're saying and then we'll work forward. So I think that the podcast for me has become, and certainly through lockdown and the difficulties of the year, has become kind of an anchor. Mm. And so like you can feel yourself, you know, things start going in different directions and you can feel yourself like certainly I have multiple jobs. I do a lot of different stuff, right? And I do stuff that's not always in the dog industry. I do other things as well. And And you just became a video productionist. Well, yeah, and that was a... That was a, a hobby that is that I'm in that phase, right? Hobby jobby leading to to job maybe. I don't know. Mm. But I feel like the podcast for me over the last couple of years has been an anchor point, which is like when you feel yourself kind of going in weird directions good, for good or bad, it's something to hang on to and go like, no, that's a big part of my life. That's something that we do every week. Yep. We find the time. I think something that's interesting you see a lot of in this industry, you know, podcasting has become very popular in in every industry, really. It's become a, a, you know, it's grown astronomically, especially Mm. through lockdowns where people had the time energy. There's very little barriers to entry in that we're using a heap of equipment because we're so fortunate to have a Patreon that allows us to do that. But, you know, for a couple of hundred bucks, you can get yourself a USB microphone and you can get a podcast going. Mm. And what you don't see so much is 
people that stick with it because a lot of the times the individual ones, it's really easy to give up yourself, right? Like if you're not an obsessive person like you and I are, yep. then by yourself, it can become too hard too easily, right? Mm. It can just be like, oh, I don't have time this week. And, you know, maybe you look at the stats and it's not going so well or, you know, whatever, you know, an episode didn't get the, I think one of the issues that you face, like I don't look at the stats of the podcast because it's not good for me, but you can't avoid that with say YouTube. And so, because it's right there, you can't you can't hide the numbers from yourself. And Our podcast stats have been good. Yeah, but mm. I don't like to get dive into it. I, right? I do. Like, I have to because I'm following the analytics and yeah. and doing all the uploading and everything. But I think one of the issues you probably face this. I avoid it, but I face it on YouTube. Is that you might do an episode that just performs fucking great, gets a shit mm. ton of downloads. You see it shared everywhere, and you hit that however many thousand downloads it is. And you go like, yeah, sweet. And then the next one feels just as good. And it doesn't <laughs> receive the same love. Doesn't get the same downloads. Mm. And I think that the the one after that can be fucking hard to do, right? And that's dopamine and that's, you know, like there's lots of reasons why that can happen. And, and as behavioral enthusiasts that we are, we understand those things, but it doesn't stop. It doesn't make it any easier. And so mm. I think that's why uh, sometimes you see people who try to do this kind of thing, kind of start for a little while, have some success and then just kind of teeter out because it's fucking hard, but also it hasn't become an anchor point for them of something that you just have to do. Mm. Like it just has to be done. And I think it's been really helpful for me, especially like I say, during a weird year of a lot of difficulties and a lot of weird shit going on in that like, for both of us, it's an anchor point in our routine. Yep. And I don't think either of us really have the capacity to let the other one off the hook. You know what I mean? There's that. And there's a, still a bunch of people that every week, if the podcast is late, <laughs> they'll, they'll be messaging, hey, where's the podcast? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And to that effect, you know, through the year, we've gotten mixed feedback. Sometimes we do stuff and people love us and we're the darling. And then sometimes you say something that feels just as honest and true as something else that you said that people liked and they fucking hate you. It's been a weird year for that. And I think what we've achieved this year and to toot our own horn a little bit, and it's been with the help of many others, I have to certainly admit, well, not admit, like I should point out, is that I feel like what we've done this year and I'm really proud of is bring a level of cohesion to a fragmenting industry. Yes. And I want to set the goal for myself and I guess for you as well. So too bad you're coming along for the ride. Mm. <laughs> it's like I often do. <laughs> is to continue on that path. Mm. And I think that has been, you know, you're a, a leader in the industry. You know, you're a phenomenal dog trainer, but a more than that, you are an administrator of the industry at a high level. You're on the board of the IACP here in Australia. You're on the, you're not the head of the PW, what, what's it called? The PI? No, no, I'm not involved in the- But you were for a long time. I was. I was on the board of directors for PIAA and I support the APCA, which is something that my great friend Blake and his colleagues got together, which is the Australian Pet Care Association. Mm -hmm. So- I'm sort of like an honorary subcommittee of the APCA, mm -hmm. as well as being on the board of directors for the IACP. <laughs> yep. Sorry, all these acronyms flying around my head at the moment. But it's been an absolute honour and a privilege to be able to serve. And sometimes I don't think that I give it the justice that it needs because the unfortunate thing is when you have a collision between something like the IACP and the company that I work for, which are both reaching grounds where there's a lot of work required, especially the company Pet Resorts has just really suddenly flown. We're busy, we're growing, there's a lot more demand on my position. So while I've got the time to dedicate to those sort of things, it's I feel it's important 
to give back to the community. Mm-hmm. I've made it very clear before in the past that I care. This is like a child to me, this industry, this yeah. whole thing. It means a lot to me. It means seeing this out throughout my life. It's a legacy that I want to leave. I want people to remember that I tried to help and that I tried to guide people in the right direction. Not that I was perfect or that I did everything that I, that I possibly, well, I tried to do everything I can. And part of that is collaborating with people like yourself. I've told you in the past that I think you've got a huge career in this. You put a lot of blood, sweat and your own tears into this industry yourself. You've fast-tracked your way into this industry, but you haven't done it by cheating your way through it. You've done all the hard yards just furiously. You know, like a lot of people incrementally can do it and you have still incrementally done it, but you've gobbled up everything that came to you and really, really sat with it and tore it apart to analyze every square inch of it so you could understand it. But then also humble enough to admit to people that even though you've had some good mentors, you've learned a lot of stuff, you still don't know everything. Mm. And that's an important thing from any mentor that you're working with. Those are traits that I really love about people who really do have a good handle on this craft is that they understand that it's like the Socrates quote almost is that if I realize that I know anything is that I don't know anything. What Mm. is it? No, it's not that. Something like that. Something like that. It's primarily, I'm I'm not doing the quote justice, but primarily it it means that- When we get our studio going, I'll be able to just- yeah, we'll, we'll throw we'll, that up onto we'll be the- able to throw it up and read it. <laughs> Jamie, you looked that up. I think those are important things in life and you've got to be humbled at certain periods of your life to understand that, yes, you know a lot, but you don't know everything. Yeah. And it's not your job to know everything. That's part of developing and working within a great community of people is to say where I have shortfalls, I can outsource this to somebody who has the information and Mm. who does know that and is learned in that area. And that's part of developing that network. The example that I use rigorously is the example of a good kingdom or a good empire Mm. is having a benevolent leader that understands that the best way to get good information is have a council of wise people around them at all times Mm. and to understand that you can't do everything and nor should you do everything, that you need to counsel yourself. And the reason that you've got these people is because they are wise, they are learned, they do know, they have put the time in and they use those practices outside of the kingdom themselves. They have their own committees of people that are learned, do know, are well-researched, do good work. This should be the pathway to a successful business. If Mm. you want a good business and you want a good networking principle, this is the way it's got to be done. You know, Mm. it, it only works off this principle is of you accepting that you can't know everything and you can't control everything. Finding myself in a position of general manager of a company that was prophesized to fail when I first came to Sydney and now here we are, 11 years later, and we had two struggling resorts at the time and they were they were struggling. They were doing okay but struggling. And now we're at eight resorts, you mm-hmm. know, and, and still looking to push on and, and grow. We've got a great team of people. And the only reason that we have been successful is that we've surrounded ourselves with a good, caring bunch of people. And the amazing thing is a lot of those people are young people as well. Mm. A lot of those people have been inexperienced people who have put time in and learned the craft of pet care. And you need to have a cool head and a fair head of leadership and understand that these people are still learning. They need to learn from you and they need to learn from the others in the industry and they need to learn the same thing that Rome wasn't built in a day. Mm. It's the same thing with everything else. And this is why 
I'm really encouraging everybody to work out what those increments in your life need to be because everything that I come to, every book that I've been reading that's worth any mention at all, the last two that I read, Why We Sleep by Matthew Walker and Atomic Habits by James Clear, I think the two authors of those books are, they still always say that everything needs to be done in short succession. Mm. And you need to know how that works in order to be successful in your life in anything you're doing. Mm. Every practice that I've taken up, doesn't matter what's diving, guitaring, dog training, motorcycling, anything that I've taken up, there is no way to achieve that other than by incrementally staging it throughout your life and just realizing that you still need to stay on that pathway and that you need to rigorously reinvest in it but not to a point where it throws you off tangent and you can't, not only can you not enjoy it, but your brain can't keep up with it anymore. Mm. I think I just realized the name of this episode. What is it? The 2021 Circle Jerk. Because <laughs> <laughs> where I was kind of going with that is I was just saying that individually we both work within the industry, right? Mm. In a big piece in education, both of us, and then you probably have that sort of governance, uh, leadership kind of role within the industry. But I think what we do on the podcast, and it certainly, I feel like we've been successful this year, and I think for a number of reasons that I want to go into, is bring a level of cohesion and calm, cool-headedness to the industry that really is capable of staying together, staying cohesive, and we really need to, but also is very capable of spinning and spiraling out of control and fracturing many, many times. And we love to do that. We love to fracture. And I think that has been a big goal of ours is to try and minimize that. And I think we've done a pretty good job of it. I think one of the key things that was really interesting in 2021 in the dog training space, it was Clubhouse. And even though Like it got this weird big surge right at the start of the year, if you remember, right? And everybody was on it all the time. Yep. And it was all in our Facebook group. People were like, hey, I need an invite. And it was all these big thing. And then it, like everything, it's a wave and it hits a peak and then it, you know, settles down and and continues along. And there's still, I am in Clubhouse most days for about 40 minutes. Cause what I do is while I'm stretching. So every night, like there's a group of people that a group of dog trainers, the turtle tits book club, we've talked about it a few times. Mm-hmm. Right. And they just kind of talk shit. And sometimes it's about dogs and sometimes it's about other bullshit. Right. And I, every night I've got this fuck shoulder at the moment. And every night I have to do all my remedial shit while my, my sauna is heating up and mm-hmm. I'm in that group and I listen along and I sometimes contribute. But that group, they'll love that we're talking about them as well. Um, (laughs) That group has come about from that initial influx of a lot of dog trainers using a new social media, right? Mm -hmm. A new social network. And I think what had happened in others is that, you know, social media serves you what you want to see because they want to keep you on the platform, right? And because... Clubhouse hadn't really figured out what it was and they hadn't really figured out how to keep people on platform and that kind of stuff. And people hadn't like, you know, fallen into their clicks. There was this big mashup between people who train really, really differently. They were forced to communicate with each other in a way that they hadn't really communicated with each other in the past. Yep. And because we tend to, even at events, people who come to me, well, it's happening more and more now, but if you're coming to see a seminar that I teach, it's because you're into the stuff that I'm teaching, right? Mm. Not because you have like a casual curiosity about it. Like of the people, of everybody, you know, if, I, if I'm teaching to a room of 100 people, if there's three people there who have a casual curiosity about it, I'm surprised. Most people are like into it. But 
what ended up happening, I think, with that clubhouse in those early days, we're talking, you know, right sort of January, February, March kind of time, was this big influx of people having to communicate with their voices right now to mm. each other. And I think what happened was that we just kind of went like, oh, hang on, turns out we might not be as different as we thought. And it might turn out that these fluffy force-free trainers actually uh, there's some really competent ones that are actually just using slightly different language and are training very similar to us, just not using the tools. Mm. And it turns out that these yank and crank using tools, killing dogs people actually are really good trainers as well, just using tools that you hadn't thought of using or using them in ways you didn't know they could be used. And what I think happened initially in those early months was that there was a lot of people who were communicating. And I think what was interesting about that communication is that it was immediate because you remember at the start of when all that happened, there was a lot of people who were like, yeah, clubhouse and then just disappeared because they're fucking frauds who got found out, right? Because it's all sweet when it's like you control the narrative. And so when you're posting to your own social media and you can delete the comments and you can take as long as you want to research and write back and you can hide people and you can block people and you can do all that kind of stuff, you create the narrative and you can make any level of bullshit seem totally real. Mm. But when you're in a real-time conversation and people can ask you questions, right, that was where we saw a lot of people just like, ah, this isn't for me, I'm out, right? (laughs) Funny Uh, about that. From both sides, right, doing that, as well as there was the conversations that could have between two competent and reasonable people that could degrade online because the tone and understanding wasn't always there. Those conversations were able to foster and go longer and reach resolution rather than just ending in conflict because it was actually spoken, right? And there were audiences and people were hearing balanced trainers and force-free trainers or, you know, plus our trainers or whatever, having real dialogue and explaining how they do things and coming to terms with it with each other. And in often many cases going like, oh, I'm totally all right with that. Maybe I don't want to do it, but I'm okay with it, right? And Mm. I totally understand. I can see that that's effective. I get what you're doing. I see your intent. And I think intent is, you know, intent over action is often more important, right? So people were able to communicate in that way. And I feel like that kickstarted a particular feeling for us. And I think that's where we started to not necessarily change what we're doing because we're kind of doing it, but make it more of a priority Mm. in to be more cohesive and inclusive. And I feel like despite the fact that, you and I both are balanced trainers that use whatever tools we need to. I don't limit myself in any way, shape or form beyond being effective and reasonable, fair to the dog, right? I think that we have managed to foster a group of people and bring a level of cohesion that to people who wouldn't train like us. Mm. And I think that that's been pretty rare. And like I say, that's why I want to call this a circle jerk because I'm proud of the fact that we've done that because it's rare that normally in a, a dynamic that would allow for that would be one of us has to be a force-free trainer, right? Because where you see where like that kind of thing usually comes up is that like there's a show I used to watch on YouTube, The Hill, what are they called now? Breaking, uh, talking points or something where there's a like a right-leaning guy and a left-leaning chick and they do news together and they, they're friends and they, they're reasonable and they can sort of discuss both points from a point of personal, like how they really feel it's about like it. It's like good chef, bad chef. With, yeah, exactly, with right? Yeah. So norm- yeah, exactly like that, right? Mm. So normally you need that. You need a person to hold one opinion and be friendly with the person who holds the other on the show in order that both opinions are heard. But I feel kind of proud of the fact that we've been able to do that without 
a force free trainer that is on the show with us all the time. Then we have guests. We do that all the time and we bring people in and we talk to people all the time. And sometimes, you know, I feel like I try to represent how people would train without tools. And I've been pulled up by people saying like, Hey, that's not actually how we do it. You're taking that viewpoint as a person who uses tools, not using tools, not as a person who doesn't use tools at all and how they would do things. And like, mm. I have to cop that cause that's the truth. Right. That's the case. Yeah. But I'm trying to do it. And I feel like this year we've done a pretty good job of it. And I'm kind of, I'm very proud of it. And I think that the more we and others can continue to think that way and bring cohesion to the dog training world, the better. Because we're under threat, man. Like, absolutely. And like I say, it's not alarmist. I do have a tinfoil hat and I wear it from fucking time to time, but I don't need to be wearing it to say that. There are pressures that don't even want us to have dogs as pets. And those pressures are coming in the form of- The clock's ticking. Yeah. Mm. Those pressures are coming in the form that is so palatable to the average dog owning civilian, right? Mm. Like the average person that just has a dog and thinks that like animal rights, why shouldn't animals have rights? And they like, it doesn't occur to them to think through that, well, animals can't carry responsibility. So therefore they can't have rights. We have to look after their welfare, but not, we can't give them rights in the same sense that we can give a person that, you know, like that kind of shit. And, you know, the inevitable outcome of all of that is that, it's on Peter's website for fuck's sake. They don't want people to have pets, right? Of any of any kind. They've tried to disguise that a little bit more throughout the last couple of years. The quote from Ingrid Newkirk, they've literally tried to push that to the background. It's still the mantra, mm. but it's just not as favorably sung because they realize that that was doing them damage. Yeah. And that concerns me when it becomes more about a popularity thing than the true message of what they want to do, which was limit companion animals in homes or remove companion animals from homes as much as they possibly could. Yeah, totally. I really feel the only way we can combat that is to not have anyone accidentally take their side. That's kind of the issue that we face, right? Yes, is that we good point. we take small wins. The old saying that the enemy of my enemy is my friend, that's such a fucked up thing. Mm. And it's true, but then the problem is you then turn on each other in the end. Of course. It's once like, you're done, once you're done destroying your common enemy, then you become enemies. You have again. to turn on each other. And we often refer things to movies. That's usually your gig, but I'll have a turn of it. I've, this I've time, got a right? movie I'm gonna talk about shortly. But so you know in the Batman where the Joker comes in, the Dark Knight, right? That yeah. one. At the start where he's got all those dudes and they're robbing the bank as the Joker, and he's told them all that they're going to cut that one guy out and they'll get all the cut, yep. right? And he has played them all to the point where it's just down to just him and one other guy and then he kills the other guy, right? Mm. That's how it's going to go when we fracture in the dog training community. And that's what I worry about and that's what I feel like we've been trying to do. And I know people are probably sick of us talking about it, but that's like that's the hill I'm trying to fucking die on yep. is that – if they're in our community and they're overall doing good for dogs, right? And I'm talking, you need to look holistically and go like, is their contribution good or bad mm. as a whole? Not this one incident, this one thing that you don't like, but is their contribution good or bad as a whole? We need to stick together and include each other and we can pull each other up. We can be like, Hey man, I don't think, I don't like the way you did that. I think that you could do it better, but do that in a way that is educational, non-confronting. And we do it to within each other, right? We don't need to go public and go, Hey, I don't like the way this guy uses his tools. So let's ban his tools and let's cut him from the circle because then it just like, 
yeah, the Joker killed one of the people and cut him out of the cut, right? The slice of the pie just got bigger for everybody else. But then it happens again and mm. it happens again and it happens again. And before too long, we're stuck in this position of it's nobody but Peter standing over the whole thing going like, I got you, motherfucker. We like, succeeded. You out. Yeah. This, is, this is the long con that we've been playing. Yeah, and this happens in so many different ways. And it, whether it's the way that people train dogs, like you know the, the effectiveness in which they do it, the tools in which they use, the methods, whether it's the sports they play, we have people turning on each other, whether they bite suits or sleep, you know, like all that kind of shit. The moment that you push someone out of the circle and the circle gets smaller, Everybody looks out until they push someone out and then they turn back in and go, who are we going to push out next? And that's what is just going to keep happening and mm. happening. And I feel like we have taken some steps to avoid or prolong that. Yeah. <laughs> Even if we haven't avoided it, I feel like that's been a big part of it because I think, like I say, go back to that clubhouse. I think what we saw in those early days was that it can be done. Mm. And there was a, you know, there was real communication happening at a really effective level where people were saying like, Hey, I'm okay with what you do. And now that I understand it a bit better, I don't necessarily want to do it. I don't necessarily even think it's good that you continue, but I can accept it. Right. Mm. I can, I'm okay with it because I think that you provide a net positive result. You might do some things I don't agree with. You might, you know, and, and there's plenty of dog trainers that I look at some of their training online. I see some of the videos that they put out. So God only imagines what videos don't get put out. Right. And I think, fuck, that's bad dog training, but to throw them under the bus, they're not actually abusing dogs. Right. Mm. It's just bad dog training. Yeah. Right. And so to throw them under the bus and be like, fuck this guy, get him out of the industry. Well, all he does is stop putting the videos up, right? Or they fight harder, they block ban you, whatever, right? What we need to do is be like, hey, here's the education. And that is, for me, what I feel like we've done effectively through the year and that is my focus for next year. And so in line with what we tend to do and look back at what we've done and then look forward to what we can do, that's my goal for next year. And I feel like this year I dip my toe into the like content creator space mm -hmm. and I like it. I really like it. And I've done it kind of half-assed in 2021 because it was as a learning career, learning experience, I had to mm. learn how to do it, but I had to figure out how that fits in within my life. Mm. And I, I want to next year carve the space for it. W what has been happening with all the content that I create, whether it's the podcast videos, you know, all that kind of stuff, right? It's been, Oh, here's a space. I can fill that space with that. But going forward, I'm, I'm going to cut space for it and go like, this is its space because I feel like that's where we can contribute and I think it's needed. Mm. And I think that's where probably where I can best put my skill set, right? Like I'm pretty good with dogs, but I'm better at that, I think. I'm better at the education piece. Mm. And so I- you know, I feel like my skill set is with the dogs is high enough to be at a point where I, I should and can continue to teach, but teach in that fashion of like, hey, here's some information about how we do things. And like, hopefully, whether you want to do it or not, like, you know, with some people, I'll increase their skill set and they'll train like me. And with some other people, I hope that they'll go like, oh, I didn't know people did it that way. I'm okay with it now. And, mm. and that's what I want to continue doing into 2022. Very good goals. Goals that I think anybody should and can appreciate. Of course, this leads me into a movie that I've just watched. Listening to the narrative that you've just been talking about now, it makes me think of a movie that I just literally watched only the last couple of days called Don't Look Up. It's got uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, Jonah Hill, Meryl Streep. Oh, I've seen the ads for that. Yeah, it's just mm. come out on Netflix about a, a comedy. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's a comedy and it's science fiction, but it's based around how 
fucking stupid as a race of people we've become pursuing likes on yeah, social yeah. media. Yeah. Frighteningly, there's a lot of reality in it that I draw on. And some of the movie, even though I laughed at some of it, other parts of it made me sad. Mm. To think that this is the direction that a lot of us are tending to take is where irrelevant, cool people, musicians and so forth, can have you know a wavering impact over people who are literally saying, hey, there's a fucking comet hurtling towards Earth and you've got these two people getting more likes than we are. Watch the movie. I'm not going to blow it for you, but it really does highlight. What's the premise of it? Because it's in the trailer. Is that there's a comet going to hit Earth, like yes. or asteroid that's going to destroy everything, yep. and they can't get anyone to take them seriously. They, no matter who they go to, it's basically, you how know. How do we monetize this? Well, how do we monetize it? And it's just not as popular, so it's kind of irrelevant, and it just, it infuriates you. Yeah. Like I was saying to you before when we were in the kitchen, there's a phrase that was told to me when I was a young guy that even truer words are spoken in jest. Yeah. And when you can see something in this comedy movie that is relevant today, where you've got people that are more around what's popular and what's marketable than what's happening right in front of your face. We were talking about content creators before as well. And there's one person that I'm really enjoying their content. And yes, it is revenge based. And yes, it does have a swing to it, but it's friendly Geordies by Jordan Shanks. Yeah, yeah. It's funny to me. I love their investigatory skills. Um, when they go after somebody, like they leave no stone unturned. They literally pull every rug from everywhere they can to find out you did wrong by the public and here's what you did and they put it out there. I don't want to become revenge-based. I like your mantra better. I think there is a space for things like Friendly Geordies when you do have powerful people out in the, mm. especially in the political arena, people like the Animal Justice Party and Peter and and so forth like this, we need to keep an eye on these people. Totally. When they're doing good things, and that term can be pretty broad and pretty loose, what good things are, because that's different to different people. What's good things to you and I is different to good things from Mr. and Mrs. Smith who are listening to the rhetoric of these political parties. My concern is when they don't know any better they're just taking their side of it. Yep. So when parties like this come after us and come after our training techniques and come after our tools and refuse to actually consult with us, that's where they need to be gone after. Yeah. That's when you need a friendly Geordies-esque type of community to say, well, if you're going to rip apart and destroy the livelihoods of other people and completely disassemble communities – we need to take a real deep dive into what you're doing and really put you under a lens to see what you're doing. Mm-hmm. So be warned, people in those communities. There's another guy on social media that I've been watching here and there called the Aussie Cossack, and he was literally created through harassment. He admits that. He said, I, wa- I am a product of harassment. I'm not saying this is a he's a good guy. I don't know this guy. I've just been watching some of the content he's been putting out there. But he literally said, because I've been harassed by people in the political community, you created me. Now I'm coming after you. And now I'm going to expose everybody who stood in my way and everybody who made my life hard. I'm literally going to put you under a lens. Mm. And they deserve that. You have to be accountable on those sides. As much as we need to be accountable in our community, and we do, you said it in a way before, People need to be accountable. It's not like we're trying to drive them out or destroy them. There was a young me who believed that that was the way to cope with things. To take people out, you have to completely destroy them. Mm. I like what you said better. I think that fits a better narrative overall of why don't we try and educate them first? 
do everything we can to nurture them onto a better pathway. And you use the example of, of a Batman movie before talking about the Joker. We've talked about that movie before the Joker, because if we aren't careful, we can create a Joker. Mm. You know, we can create somebody who can become so destructive. All we need to do is pull away the very fragile bindings that we're keeping them together. Instead of putting more of them in place, when we take them away, we create an overall nemesis for all of us, a person who is so bent on destruction against everybody that they don't care if they burn the village down. They mm. just don't, and they don't care if they're standing right in the center of it. We need to be mindful of that. I do support that. I do think that is a far better way to do it is to try and as a community agree once again, come together. And that's where I did like, and what I did appreciate about clubhouse. And you said it before, people actually got to know each other. People mm. got to talk to each other, have real conversations with each other and realize that just because I'm a tools person and you're not, we still love our dogs. Mm. We still cherish them. They still have a place in our hearts and our homes where they're not living this miserable, shitty life attached to some cruel device or some outrageous way of training where we both got the concept completely mixed up because it was something that we went away in our own headspace and also with our own communities where we're conjuring this belief of something that's happened, which is probably not. Mm. So I think we need to, as a community, and certainly this isolation between each other has proven that we do need to be more attentive and more caring. And, you know, you've often said it, Pat, on the show, and so has Birdie multiple times on episodes that she's done. We do need to be more kind. Mm. We do need to be more considerate and realize that the best way to help people forward and even to help ourselves is to build better bedrocks of communities, Yeah, build a better social structure, something that we, you know, talking before about leaving a legacy, that's a legacy that all of us should be looking for. If we're going to be leaders in the community or part of a good community or part of that wise council for the leaders in our community is, is trying to do it better, is trying to look for a way that we can improve. I'm not perfect. There are times where I falter. There are times where I need calling on you as a friend and a colleague and somebody that I can counsel with and other people in the industry. And likewise, when I can do it for you is that we can sit with each other and saying, Hey man, I know you're angry or I know you're hurt or I know this person is pissing you off, but don't put all your energy into that, you mm. know, because that's going to take you into a dark arena and that's where it's really going to litter the industry with unhelpful outcomes things that we will be regrettable and certainly not the legacy that you wanted to leave behind. Totally. I heard this saying during the year, I've regurgitated it a few times. I wish I knew the name of the person that said it because I'd love to credit them, but I can't. It's that you can't be a lighthouse if you don't leave the lights on. And mm. it was actually in regards to trip sitting is how I heard it. And they were talking <laughs> about like, if you're trip sitting someone, you can't trip as well. Yep. But why, so, why do you know about that? I was actually it was in clubhouse room. Oh, okay. um, but I think that's kind of the the direction that I think it's probably better for us to go. In that you can't go out and fight people at the margins, right? Because mm. then you're out there at the margin, and you think that you're trying to drag them in, but you're just fucking battling with them out there at the margin. You need to be in the middle, keep the light on in the lighthouse, and then attract people in. Mm. That's one of the reasons why I started using TikTok to try and post stuff. But everybody, like, I kept getting tagged in these fucking horrendous back and forth, like, argument videos people were having. And I was like, dude, I just have no 
stop tagging me in that shit. Yeah. I'm not going to go and argue with someone out there. What I'm going to do is I'm going to do what I do and I'm going to do what I do with total transparency and I'm going to educate on that. And if people want to then look at that, that's fine. And like, I'll be there doing it and you can come and have a look. That's totally fine. And in fact, I want you to, and then we can discuss what's going on, but I'm not going out to argue with people. I'm not going to go and harass someone and call their training ineffective. I'm not going to go and harass someone and say that, they shouldn't be doing things the way that they are. What I am going to do is I'm going to do what I do because we're in this position. We have the podcast. I'm trying to create more content. I'm enjoying doing that. I'm going to do what I do with transparency. And I'm going to be like, hey, this is the way I train, right? And this is how I feel about all of this. And sometimes I'm wrong. Sometimes I fuck up. And often there's people that train much better than me. That's just inevitable. I mean, we're we're all different. And I was reading something about an interview, just as you were saying that, an interview between somebody that was talking about Eric Clapton first meeting Jimi Hendrix for the first time, like Mm. two exceptional guitarists. And, you know, they were both in awe of each other. And apparently, allegedly, when this meeting was taking down, there were a lot of insecurities about meeting each other. Mm. And when they both met each other, it was basically like an epiphany for both of them that we can still be these amazing guitarists and still have this incredible talent and still be different yeah, and still be unique to each other. And I think that's the wonderful thing and is that that's a space where it frightens and, and causes so many insecurities in dog trainers is we think that, you know, we see somebody else online doing something amazing and that automatically kicks a little insecurity where what that should do is, is light some motivation underneath you yeah. instead of being insecure about it. And I can speak from experience. There have been many times where I've looked at things and gone, fuck, that's threatening to me. Whereas what I should say is that's inspiring to me is mm. think differently you know, you've often talked about multiple times about using better language, different language. You did in the last episode we did. I was listening to it recently when I only put it out yesterday. Mm. And I thought that's a better way to do things is create a better narrative overall. Think differently and use better choices of words when we're in it. There's a good quote that I just pulled up that somebody posted on their timeline. The greatest enemy of knowledge is not ignorance. It is the illusion of knowledge. Mm. And I think they said that Stephen Hawking's is credited with that. However, somebody said that it was credited to somebody else. I've been on borrowed time for a long time. That's one of the reasons why like, I'd certainly do want to, from a business standpoint, I want to try and lean into the content creation space, not just dog stuff, but sort of everything because it's, it's got a lot more sustainability for me. Like my body's falling apart. It's, I'm not holding it together as well as I would like to. So, well, man, if you lost your main career based on severe injury, I mean, yeah, it's only a matter I'm, of time before you can have dogs crashing into you. That, yeah. I'm hanging on by a thread yeah, as it is. Yeah. And it's, it's amazed me, you know, both you and jazz who have pretty significant injuries that you've been able to maintain a skill set in that yeah, yeah, it's stupid. <laughs> it's part of it. your obsessive character. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I feel like that's kind of, that's the year that we had. I feel like we did good and that's what I want to do going forward. And I want to make a commitment to Patreon folks and anyone else that supports us in any way. Yoke, I want mm. to continue to provide what I hope it is that you guys are happy with us providing because throughout the year, the show's still grown and this has been the focus of sort of what we've been working on. And so I hope it continues to grow and I hope that continue, people continue to digest it. And my my ask back is the support of the show, but also the support of that style of cohesion mm. in that we're like, hey, we can look at each other and we can work together and don't have to agree. We don't have to. That's the thing. <laughs> that's what's wild, right? It's like, 
I think that a lot of the human race throughout this pandemic is losing a lot of the ability to just sort of cordially disagree on things. To give you an example, there was a post recently in our discussion group where somebody was asking about what episode should I listen to to get some advice on this. And even in the comments, there were people that were recommending other industry professionals who aren't fans of ours and avidly don't recommend us. And rather than step in and silence them or delete the post, I let it slide, you know, because I thought, look, fair enough, if that person can help. Yeah, if they've got the right info. If they've got the right info for that person, you're right. Yeah, why not let them go to that? My ego, the ego inside me was saying, no, fuck them, take it down, get rid of them, tell that person off and not glorifying us. But that's not what we're talking about. Yeah. And that's where the sensibility side in you has to come back into reality is that, We're not always right. We don't always say the right things. We're trying to withhold our known truths at the time. We're talking about things that interest us. We have contradicted ourselves in things that we've talked about before. I certainly have. I won't talk for you, but I have before. I've contradicted things I've said because we're allowed to change our mind as well as we learn and as we go along. And I think that's like we were just talking about before. Like that's one of the key things. In face of new data, you have to be able to change your mind, right? Like circumstances change every day. And when you find out something new or things change, you then have to be able to be like, oh, that changes things for me. Now I hold a different opinion. Mm. And that's the issue when you become like too attached to your opinion and you let it be a part of who you are rather than just being how you feel given the information that you have, right? Yep. Because you've got to be able to change your mind. You can, in, in the face of new data, go like, oh, that changes things for me. Like I no longer feel that way. I feel another way and not just be doubling down. I've done that. I've done that for sure in the past where you're like, no, I've held this opinion publicly and I will hold it until, until oh, of I course. die. Absolutely. Yeah, I've and been like, very strongly opinionated. If I squint just right, I can still make it look like <laughs> I want to, right? Like I've done that for sure in the past. Mm. And, you know, in my military career, I've made fucking stupid decisions because I was like, no, this is the decision I made and I'm fucking sticking to it. And as it's everything's crumbling around me, I'm like, I don't care if I'm the only survivor. (laughs) Like (laughs) this is the fucking decision that we've made. And then afterwards you're like, what a fucking idiot. Like Mm -hmm. I just got to swallow my ego in that moment and go like, Hey, Hey, new guy who fucking just turned up before breakfast. I will take on that awesome piece of advice you just gave Mm. because it's accurate, right? But it's also very hard to subdue the ego sometimes as we've learned. Part of the journey that we've been on through talking with Bertie and other people and the books that we've been reading and, you know, the knowledge that we've been seeking, the ego is very powerful. Totally. It it really wants to subdue your thinking and break you to its will sometimes. And it's so overwhelming sometimes. There have been people that have accused us of flip-flopping on topics and stuff like that. But I think if we flip-flop on education – into a better standard, what's the problem with that? If we flip-flop on things to be popular, yeah, I can see where the problem is with that. I can see where just in order to get a few more likes, that's why that movie, Don't Look Up, or Just Look Up, whatever it's called, it shows the calamity of searching for likes over searching for knowledge. Yeah, That's certainly something that I want to be. My ego does like being popular. My ego does like, as you said before, you know, when the stats are high and you're seeing that people are joining the show and saying nice things, that's always good for the ego. The ego feels really, it swells and it, and you feel really proud of what you're doing. Whereas sometimes when you receive constructive feedback, sometimes that can make the ego flare, mm. you know, where it's saying, fuck that guy, you know, how dare they talk like that to me? Yeah. But, oh, like in our discussion group, yeah. someone posts a thing saying, hey, Pat, 
you look just like Chris Hemsworth. And I was, <laughs> and I was like, this discussion group's wonderful. And then someone's like, hey, Pat, in this, uh, in this episode, you mistakenly said this when you were wrong about this. And I'm like, delete this whole fucking discussion group. <laughs> Let no one give me feedback unless they're telling me I look like Chris Hemsworth. Yeah. I've got some body work to do. There might be a minor resemblance in the face, like minor. I've got Chris Hemsworth's body when he was in the end Avengers, the last Avengers, <laughs> as Fat Thor. Have we talked about on the show why Thor was like that? Have I? No. Ta- oh, I have to be careful. This upsets me quite a lot. Okay. The whole thing about Thor in the end of Endgame being fat and depressed is because the fact that Thor exists means that within the MCU, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Norse mythology is correct. It's yep. the real religion because he exists, yep. right? And so when everybody got like with the snap and half the world's population just disappeared, in Norse mythology, you cannot go to heaven or Valhalla if you die like that. And so ah. that's why it hit Thor so hard. He was more fucked up than everyone because he knows for a fact that those people's immortal souls are never going to go to Valhalla. Mm. Yeah, that's-, that's why Thor was so fucked up. And that's why at the end of it, when Iron Man, everybody's got to have seen it at this point. Oh, they should have. Yeah, it's yeah. been out for a long time. At Iron Man's funeral, everybody's all sad except Thor because Thor's like best death ever. You've, like, just, that's- you've just resurrected my people. Not only did he bring everyone back so that they could live their lives. But the way Iron Man died meant that he was for sure going to Valhalla. And that's why Thor had to leave with the Guardians of the Galaxy because he can't live a peaceful life. Uh, He can't live like that. He has to die in battle. Right. It's interesting, huh? So that's why Thor was so fucked up because people make the jokes about like, oh, you know, Thor's all fat and depressed and blah, blah, blah. No, that's why. Because to him, he's probably the only person in that universe that – felt the significance of that being a God, he knew that those souls can't go to Bahala. That's fascinating. Educational because I thought it was because when Captain America was able to move his hammer, this is my interpretation because I didn't know that sideline. I thought it was because he felt irrelevant that somebody else. No, no, no. In fact, it's the opposite. So he loves the fact you can, they actually have a tag team. They show it that he's so happy in the early one. I think it's in age of Ultron where they're making jokes about the hammer and everyone's trying to pick it up and they can't. And it kind of moves a little bit when, Captain America does it. He knew he could pick it up, but chose not to because he didn't like, he knew that that's a big part of Thor's personality. Yeah. Right? And like, that's why I thought that crushed him. No, no, no. He loved it because right. like that was, so then you see when Thor turns up with the new one, you see the look on Captain America's face when he, like he comes down via the Bifrost and is mm. there like with it. And he looks at him. He's like, Whoa, like you got a new sword because they're the same. They're almost the same character. They're almost the same person. They're the same personality trait. Like yeah. you would call them like best friends because they, you can see in it, they truly are happy for each other. Mm. Like, and, and then when they're both fighting with the sword and, and he ta- he's like, I get the big one, you know, he takes it, the, yep. <laughs> gives him the hammer and he takes the ax. Yep. They're like really close, super tight friends mm. because like, that's how it is for Vikings. Like they have to, like, you have to have warrior friends. Like that's how it has to be. Yep. Even before, like, I'm not that big of a Marvel fan, obviously I'm talking about, but like I was big into North mythology and it was like, when I was in 
the army. I was in Alpha Company, which is a, I was in every company at one point or another, but Alpha Company is where I spent most of my time. And that's the Viking company, mm. right? And so they, the whole company is kind of steeped in North mythology, all the, all the symbolism that they carry and all yep. that kind of shit. Like it was all very Norse in Alpha Company. So I kind I've of- I've seen was, a lot of operators with Norse um, mythology tattoos. Yeah. Mm. It- <laughs> One of the exos. So we had the, the original symbol was the Minnesota Vikings symbol. And it was just stupid. Someone like started it and that was the upcoming symbol. And then we wanted to change that because it's like, we can't just steal a team, a football team. And it's a stupid symbol. Anyway, it looks like a fish. It looks like an angry goldfish. We used to call it, right? <laughs> One of the exos uh, changed it to this bird. It turns out that the original <laughs> didn't do the research, right? That's how we all sort of found out about this. turns out that that symbol was a slain king. His robes were made by this witch into this banner that carried that symbol. And it was a, a guarantee of victory in battle, but at the cost of the flag bearer. So that you would always win. If you carried that flag into battle, you would win, but the carrier of the flag would die. Because for them, that's a huge honor. Right? Yep. You had to die in battle if you are going to Valhalla. And so <laughs> we're all wearing this fucking symbol. <laughs> like, hey, maybe one of the boys finds that out. He's like, hey, maybe this isn't a good idea. Maybe we shouldn't be painting this on our helmet. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. Speaking about army, I'm not going to take this too much further, but I'm just reading Extreme Ownership by Jocko oh, yeah. Willink, mm-hmm. and he's talking about why they banished the name X-Ray Company mm. in the SEALs because of the colossal fuck-up that happened in the Vietnam War. Mm. And he said it's basically a cursed name now, and that's how seriously they take it all. Yeah. Interesting. You wouldn't believe the amount of- Superstitions? Mm. Superstitions. Or, mm. They're not superstitions, but traditions yeah. that militaries carry forward. I was talking to someone about this the other day, like the pioneer sergeant has to have a beard. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> like and carrying axe because you could light the fuse of a cannon with the beard. Like it was just dumb shit that is <laughs> never going to have to, you know, that's never going to happen. Yep. But was a real thing hundred years ago. Yep. Right. Yep. Anyway, now we're waffling talking about Thor and the. the well, that MCU. was an educational piece for me because I did not know the reason why he became like that. Yeah. I that's was, why he was so fucked I had up. a belief around it and now I know the real reason. Yeah. It totally makes sense though, right? It does make sense. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Entirely. That's the burdens that some people carry. Mm. Happy New Year, everyone. In the wrap up, thanks yep. for fucking sticking with us. Like yeah, we, just yeah. talked, we just jerked ourselves off and talked about how good we are for <laughs> the last hour. Thanks for listening to it if you made it this far. But the show and like <laughs> what we're trying to achieve in that cohesion piece is only possible because of the people who are doing it. Yeah, we're nothing without the community. Well, there's nobody listening to this. Yeah. It's for naught. And the sheer fact is, is that we do have an avid listener base and a lot of dedicated people who are a part of that tribal council that we were talking about. We're just talking a bunch of bullshit. Mm. It's actually you guys that are doing it. Making it it real. Yeah. And the fact that so many people listen and support the show, it's still mind blowing to me. And I want you guys to know that I feel that responsibility. I assure you, I feel that and I'm trying to do my best and will continue to do that going forward. I have a lot of plans for next year that I really want to try and enact. Yeah. I just want to say happy new year on top of what Pat's saying. I do really hope that next year is a better year for all of us. Once again, it proved to be another year where we're kept apart from each other. A lot of time in ISO from friends and family and doing the things that we love. It really took a, a hit to a lot of the sports for dog people, PSA, IGP, 
Mondio, the whole lot, everybody. There was a lot of effect. It was great to see that the 20th anniversary of PSA went ahead, Mm -hmm. that you went over there and you got to film it and you got to hang out with some of the people. I miss them all, you know, like there's probably not a day that Sean and I don't send some hilarious meme to each other or Mm. have a form of communication. I really miss those people. I miss the interaction there. You can feel the effect that it's having on our community. We're Mm. still talking. We're still in touch with each other. But just to be in a room with each other, to be able to hug a friend and and sit down there and share a meal or a beer or whatever it is with them, having that collaboration and that communication, that close communication with people, we've been robbed of that for a period of time. So I do hope that we are, Omicron is what people say and it is, it's going to phase it out and we're going to turn the tide on this thing. I really hope to see that 2022 is a better year for us. And if it's still a year of struggle, there is still other things that we can turn our attention to. And if anything that we've been trying to make as a message on this show, part of that is bettering yourself through education, Mm. whatever that may be in whatever field it it can be. Encourage people to educate themselves, be a part of a better movement, learn some more truths Mm. um, and speak your truths as well. Totally. Thanks, guys. I really do appreciate you not making this circle jerk any larger than what it needs to be, but the Patreon people, the people who are listening to our podcast, as I said, really love you and appreciate you. Please thank the Patreon people. The Patreon people make this possible for everybody. Yeah. They have motive because they get um, extra rewards in the Patreon group, but they also support it for you. They give you this show. Yeah. They support you and us in providing the show every week. So you guys are, you know, you're big in the community for us. You really have made a difference in all of the gear, everything we've got. I just don't want you to ever think that we take it for granted. There's not a day that goes by that I don't sit down in this studio and look at the table, the chairs, the microphone stands, the microphones, the computers, the mixing gear, and know that our Patreon community provided this for us. It's through you that gave us the opportunity to continue this show and to improve the quality and the standing of it. So you guys are are, are real heroes to our organisation. Thank you very much. Totally. And that, you know, we'll continue going forward. Mm. We've got to... Everything's improving. It all goes back into whatever we can do to like to lift the standard. Anything that that is, any new technology, anything that will make the, the sound better, the visual impact that Pat's trying to do through his journey as well, anything of that is coming through our Patreon team. All right. Yep. That's it for another episode of the Canon Paradigm. Yes. As always, if you like what you hear, please just action some of the stuff we talk about. Yes. The best way to spread the news of the show is to tell a friend in real life. When mm. you're on the bus, just pull one of your earbuds out yep. and put it in a stranger's ear and be like, you got to hear this. If you're in a toilet stall, just stand on the toilet, look over the top and say, hey, have you heard about the Canine <laughs> Paradigm? Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. Just... If you're in a place where you're allowed to do this, just drop the social distancing and stand uncomfortably close to someone in a bar yep. and just be playing our podcast. That's how we'll, that's the best way to spread the news. Yeah, if they haven't heard, that's a great idea. Just like literally put it on your phone, just walk over and put it straight in their ear and say, listen to this. Yeah, yeah. Great idea. Is that right? Yep. Oh, we need a whisper room. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to... Support the show. We just talked about Patreon. Jump into there or you can get some cool merch. I've been seeing some people with their new version of the cool story, Show Me Your Dog. Oh, the Katrina version. version. That went gangbusters. Like, let me tell you just quickly, there's plenty of times where people say, if you make this, I will buy it and I'll make sure everyone else buy it. And they don't. Yeah. yeah. They, They buy it, but it sort of sits there trickling along. 
the Katrina one, my God, that went through the roof. Like yeah. there were huge. That might sales. actually get us the Whisperer. That may get us the Whisperer. <laughs> I don't know about that. Honestly, the people who did say that they were going to buy it have bought it so far. So thank you guys for like doing an honest support of, yeah, a, of yeah. a product. I mean, for something that Katrina did as a joke. It's too good. It's too good. It Tracy really, got it as a fucking tattoo. I can't believe it. Tracy Mammon, you legend. So cool. Yeah, better than that stinking tattoo Furman got on his butt. <laughs> 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 All right. That's the best way to support the show. If you want to contact us, jump into the Facebook group. It's the Canine Paradigm Discussion Group. There's, what do we got, 7,500 people in there or something now. Yep. Jump into there, be kind, group source information, say whatever you feel like, you know, just be nice to people. Yep. And I can't stress enough, no blind posts. If you just share something, I don't care what it is, you've got to have a reason for why it's got to be in there. If you just share it without a like comment as to why it's going into there, yep. it's not getting approved. Otherwise, the it group needs to just be something of substance. Have something yeah. of substance. It, it's whatever you want, but it's got to have a reason for being there. Yep. It can't be a blind post. Yep. If you want to contact us, you can shoot us an email. We are info at the canineparadigm.com. That's it. Goodbye. <laughs> what is that? That's one of my loaded ones up that I meant because I meant to do this.